This is the Oracle Podcast, and this is where your story matters. The table is prepared for you. Wishing you Godspeed. Glory. Uh, my name is Ridge Garcia. Um, I'm an associate pastor in the Fort Myers Seventh-day Adventist Church, um, but I'm a L.A. native, so I was born and raised in Southern California. Um, I'm currently married to Lizelle Cornejo. She's a nurse, and we've been married for almost two years, and wow, I'm congrats. glad to be on your podcast, bro. Hey, yeah, thanks man. for coming on, yeah. Rich, bro. Um, so what you've been pastoring now, you said for two years? Or how long have you been pastoring? Almost two years. I'll hit my two-year mark in July 2021. What do you think has been kind of the most the most encouraging thing about passion but then also the most difficult thing about passion Ooh, uh i'd start with the most encouraging i feel like the most encouraging thing for me as a pastor is seeing somebody like actually grow in their walk with god you know um for example i was able to uh have a conversation with one of my young people at my church uh because she was kind of going through like the unlearning of faith kind of questioning God, questioning the authority of scripture, questioning faith and, and all this stuff. Uh, so much so that um, when she was driving to my house with, with my wife and I to talk and to, you know, kind of ask questions, uh, she was kind of putting everything on the line on that conversation, right? She was like, you know what? I'm either going to come out of this conversation believing in God or not believing in God. Um, wow. And so after that conversation, and she, she told us this after we had, you know, answered or tried to answer all of her questions and stuff. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that conversation, there was just this vibrancy that I was able to notice and see in her face, um, to see that the God that she was once afraid of is now a God that embraces her. Um, so seeing, seeing moments like that are probably some of the most encouraging times that I've, that I've had as a pastor for, you know, almost the two years that I've been here. And the most like discouraging thing that I've seen as a pastor is uh, preaching and teaching about the Jesus that uh, rebukes the oppressor and seeks to liberate the oppressed. Mm -hmm. And yet posting on Facebook, uh, mentioning in a born meeting that we ought to not do such things or like saying Mm -hmm. that guys, like we must, we must, stay afoot. We must uh, stand up for the truth because all this stuff that's happening in our country, we have to stand for law and order and, you know, using all that rhetoric that is like idolatrous really. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as a pastor, like doing everything I can to kind of like preach the message that I know to be in the Bible, to, to share the Jesus that I see really. Um, but them having a totally different idea and picture. Yeah. Because, so that's that, pretty discouraging, I, especially now. I think that's like, super hard like when you know like you you know a jesus who's just about love you know what jesus who just so encouraging but yet there's people you know repping the same church as you that are speaking kind of opposite of the same the same god um right how does that like affect you like i guess in your relation to people like that how do you deal with people that have the same name as you but think quite opposite of you Right. Like it, it's, it's kind of ironic, right? Because especially as a Seventh-day Adventist minister and knowing Adventist history, like our pioneers, granted, while they were not perfect, they were pretty radical in their time. Like I think of Ellen White, 
uh, during a GCN session, literally uh, talking down on slavery, like a, an immensely political issue at the time. But now, like people are are, are so afraid to to awaken the prophetic spirit within the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and seeing like the spirit of of evangelicalism and like uh, Christian nationalism seeping into the Seventh Day Adventist Church, where as a movement we've started off prophetic and innovative and radical compared to the rest of you know uh, Christian America, um, mm. and so it it's it's it's. It's frustrating because I, I I think of a time where I was up front and I I was preaching about loyalty and allegiance to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. I was preaching about that. Uh, I think I think it was literally like days before the election, um, and I was I was I was reminding the church of how important it is for us to have allegiance not to the donkey or not to the elephant, but to the Lamb of God. That's a that's a quote from Pastor Derwin Gray, I believe. Um, and so everyone, you know, in the church was like, amen, hallelujah, you know, but, but weeks after that, there was some conversations and, uh, some heated arguments between church members in the foyer kind of talking about voter fraud and stuff like that. Um, wow. And so it, 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 it kind of troubled me. Right. Cause I'm like, man, God did, did all the work that I put into the sermon and all the passion and all the, the zeal that I kind of preached with, was it, was it rendered worthless and meaningless? Um, but, but I remember the times where, I, where I'm able to have conversations with young people, you know, where uh, one of the young people that I was able to sit down with, uh, I was able to listen to her experience and uh, see what she has to say about racism in her specific school and how she feels like uh, other kids don't listen to her and other teachers don't listen to her about how she's treated as a person of color in a majority white school. And being able to have that conversation, not only with her, but another young person and then hearing that young person hear her story and say, wow, like I never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that you're going through that. And as a pastor, like seeing that like click and light bulb in her head kind of go off are the moments where I'm like, wow, like truly this, this rhetoric and this ideology can change one generation at a time. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's why I'm here. Yeah. It's not hopeless. There's, there's a future. No. It feels hopeless, but like you're right, like it, it there really is a future behind it. That's awesome. Uh bro, uh we want to know about about you a little bit more. Um Yeah, sure. Yeah, so what's what's your story to getting to being a pastor? That's always an interesting journey for uh to hear about it. But um uh, even like back up further, like what what was it that made you take God serious? When did you become become uh being intentional about God? Ooh. Um, I felt like I, I, I started to become more intentional about God uh, during high school. So like I said, I was born and raised in Southern California um, uh, from Los Angeles. So yes, I'm a Laker fan, right or die. Um, <laughs> All right. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta rep, you gotta rep. I was, I was watching Kobe's uh, memorial video that Nike put out oh, that Kendrick man. Lamar kind of, oh, yo, so good. So I, wanna, mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was like, design. anyways, um, yeah, so I was born and raised in Southern California. I went to an academy in the San Fernando Valley. And there I got like super involved with stuff. And the reason why I got super involved is because the high school is so small. Like Adventist academies just tend to be super small. I mean, depending where you live, but the one that I went to, there was like 40 kids in the entire high school. So uh, I was part of band, choir, like the football team or flag football because we don't play tackle football in SCA school. I was part of the flag football team, the basketball team, 
and like essay. And I think about it now, I'm like, yo, like that's too much. Um, but the more I started to get involved in leadership and the more I was able to create community with my other friends and my other classmates was the moment I was like, whoa, like this God thing is, is kind of cool. Um, but in high school, I kind of convinced myself that I was going to be a doctor. So like I'm Filipino, grew up in a Filipino household and my parents were kind of like the generic, like Asian parents that wanted their son to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Like there's literally a story that my dad tells me where he was holding me as a baby, looking at me in the face as an infant and saying, you're going to be a doctor one day. <laughs> and like, I heard that and I'm like, Hey, I mean, if dad said it, I got to believe it, yo. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Hey, dude, he did from, from a child. He, he didn't even know if I could say a word. He didn't even know if I could, if I could even say, I don't know, uh, anatomy. I don't know, whatever, you know, medical word you can think of. Like he, my, both my parents really, really thought that I was going to be a doctor. And so because of, you know, that influence, I thought I was going to be a doctor, right? Like I was telling all my friends, yo, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I did good in my science classes, did good in like all of the medical related classes. But um, the more I got involved with like campus ministries and like Vespers and praise teams and you know, sharing devotional thoughts and everything. My friends were like, no, Riz, I don't think I see you becoming a doctor. Like you can, but I think you're going to be a pastor. And so initially I was like, nah, dude, that's a dumb idea. And the church that I went to when I was a kid, there was this one church member that was like, yo, Riz, like you're going to be a pastor one day. And every time he saw me, he was like, pastor, how are you? How are you? And I kind of (laughs) pushed it to the side. I was like, nah, like you're kind of crazy, dude. Right. (laughs) He's like one of those church members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember, I remember like one day where my chaplain, and it's cool that you mentioned to me, you're a chaplain, right? Um, where one day my chaplain, cause, cause historically my chaplain was like, yeah, Ridge, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to do this. You're going to be such a great doctor. You're going to go to Loma Linda, et cetera. Cause I had a whole plan in my head, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but after one Vespers where I kind of shared, uh, a devotional thought, my chaplain took me aside and he said, Ridge, I think you're going to be a pastor one day. And I feel like the moment my pa- my chaplain spoke those words over my life, God kind of used that to literally shift my entire perspective as to what I thought my calling was. Wow. Um, more and more did God press me. Uh, more and more did God kind of like put stop signs in my way as I was running away from him. But little did I know that my running away from God was still running to God because God is everywhere that I go. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... I realized that my, one of my biggest barriers uh, to, f- to like fully committing to becoming a pastor was, you know, were my parents, right? Because yeah. I could be convinced my, my schoolmates can, can tell me I could be a pastor. My chaplain can tell me to be a pastor. I could be convinced that I'm going to be a pastor. But if my parents yeah, don't yeah, yeah. want to support that, then I can't go to a school in order to become a pastor, right? Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. All, um, those people can, because, all those people can support you, but are they really going to go tell your parents hey, you know, like I, I heard some stories were like, yeah, like, I don't care what my parents say. I'm going to go like, no, I wasn't about that. Like my parents said, no, I was just, just going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I approached my dad, right. Cause he, he's one of the more chill people. And, and at the time, my, my whole family was kind of going through this uh, revival and reawakening phase in our life. Like my dad was Adventist, but he was more like, he was like a backslidden Adventist. He's kind of like, man, like I'm an Adventist, but not really. And so he was kind of going through this transformation process at the same time. 
And he heard me, you know, talk about being a pastor and he wanted to be a pastor. And he said, you know, Ridge, um, yes, like, let's do it. Like, let's see where God takes you and, and let's move forward with this. And, you know, obviously I was relieved, but soon after that, he was like, you know, you got to talk to your mom, right? And I said, yeah, I know, I know. So I kind of waited for the right time. And my mom and I were just sitting down. And I remember like, dude, my heart rate was all the way up. My hands are clammy and everything. But I told my mom, like, hey, mom, like, I'm going to be a pastor. And the moment I said that, she began to cry and began to weep. And in that moment, dude, like, when she was crying and she was weeping, I'm like, no, like, yeah. I'm a failure, you know? Like, mm. I disappointed my mom. Like, I've disappointed yeah. generations or something like that. Like, because everyone in the family was expecting me to be the doctor, you know? Like, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of expectation, and, like, a lot of, like, tattooing of ideas and careers in my mind that had been going on but clearly God was doing something different in my life and yeah. so she was crying she was worried but the first words that came about came out of her mouth were um, Ridge I'm so sorry for being so selfish towards you mm. I'm sorry for writing a future that was different than what God had in store for you wow um, and like that moment was super emotional for me. It was kind of like one of the core moments in my life. And like both of us like weep, but, and you know, since then, like I went to Southern, I uh, uh, went to Southern to get my theology degree. I just graduated in 2019. Um, but like, now that I think about it, right? Like at first I was kind of confused. I was kind of like, ah, like, do I really want to do this pastoring thing? Like, I'm going to go to school for it. Like, I love it. I love the Bible. I love being able to, to help people grow in their relationship with God and everything. But like, it's pastoring, like really, really, really for me, you know? And so um, I kind of graduated and like went through Southern, you know, super thankful for my time. But even after graduating and during my first couple of months in my pastoral assignment here in the Florida conference, I was still having those questions, bro. Like, God, like I've come this far. I've had all these experiences but like, do you really, really want me to be a pastor? Hmm. You know? Um, and so I'm here now. And by no means do I think I have all the answers. But what I do know with all my heart is that God has placed me exactly where he wants me to be. Yeah. Because though, though I, I can imagine and kind of like paint different pictures and careers that I could have, there's something deep down in my, in my heart and in my spirit and soul that knows that I won't be happy there as I am happy here. Wow. Um, that, that if I give up working for the church or if I decide to do something else, like there's something inside of me that feels like I won't be as fulfilled as I am now if I were to be something else, mm. you know? But that comes with a lot of like, tension and a lot of like questioning because I'm like, God, like you really want me to work for the institution of the church because so many people have so many, so much bad beef with the church. Like we live in a post-Christian America. We live in this age where nobody wants to do Christianity and stuff. And at times I feel like my pastoral label kind of hinders people's ability to be open with me. Hmm. And it's like, Hey dude, like just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean you got to oh, talk like all proper and, you know, talk all holy in front of me or I don't know what it is, but every time I tell somebody that I'm a pastor, like they just feel obligated to tell me how their relationship with God is going. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, like 
I'm your friend. Just talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we could go there if you want me to. Yeah, like tell me about your interests. Like, what do you listen to? Like, what do you, what shows are you watching? What movies do you like? What books are you reading? You know, like I'm not gonna judge you. Like, it's I'm sorry that you have to be judged, but I realize like God literally stops me in those moments and is like, Ridge, what you're doing is giving them a new idea and a new picture of what I want my church's mm. shepherds and church's pastors to be. Well. And so I'm asking myself the question, if God is calling me to be a part of the transitioning process, because I know that that scripture says that the bride of Christ, no matter how much abuse and how much like persecution that the bride of Christ has gone through, she will still make it to her wedding day, you know? Um, But as to where I'm at in the whole process in history, like if God has called me, you and whatever pastor is pastoring now to reimagine and to rekindle the prophetic spirit of the seventh day Adventist church. Um, I feel like that'd be an awesome movement to be a part yeah. of. Thank you for listening to the Oracle podcast so far. Just a quick message from our sponsor for this episode. Has a pandemic of COVID-19 affected your social life? Maybe your love life? Do you miss those times in line meeting a new friend at the church potluck? Well, the love potluck has got you covered. The Love Potluck is a speed dating platform for Adventist singles. The people at the Love Potluck are passionate about creating a space for singles to make connections, especially during these distant times. So no matter where you are in the world, sign up for the Love Potluck to have an opportunity to build a meaningful relationship with another person. You can find their website in the show description of this episode. Now back to the conversation. You mentioned something really important there because I think a lot of, especially young adults, young people, millennials, like our age, um, yeah. We're battling with that concept because we see a lot of hurt from the church. We see a lot of uh, ideologies that are lacking love, a lot of uh, traditions that don't make sense, etc. cetera. Um, and so people right. are tempted to be like, you know, God, maybe you're not, you don't, you don't want me to be here. And I think it's appropriate for some people uh, because of their pain to like, you know, they have to go somewhere else because it's the trauma. But I also right. think that God also calls some people, like call, calls it. He gives everyone the opportunity, though. I think He gives a lot of us opportunity to be the change that we're looking for, the change that we need. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's such a key, key thing that you mentioned there. Is like you want to be part of what it could be, you right? Know? Exactly. And like just just living in that transition process is just so hard, you know, like. I'm, I'm at times given, given space and moments to kind of like dream as to what I see the church could be, you know, like a church that is affirming of young people, a church that, that, that yearns to give space for young people to be creative, to have platforms like podcasts, YouTube channels, perhaps music. And it doesn't have to be like overtly like Adventist. Like if you feel empowered and passionate to create something then the Adventist church should be the means and the support that you need in order to create this content or like whatever it is, whatever message that you have. Like, I think it'd be so awesome to be a part of a movement like that. Um, but the question is, is like, man, am I willing to get from there or go, go from here to there? Like, am I willing to be part of this transition yeah. process? Right. Yeah. Something, something that, um, that I learned last year in 2020 was, uh, something that I've been meditating on is the amount of time that Abraham waited for his promised son. Um, Abraham waited for 25 years for Isaac to be born. 
Mm. Like, and it wasn't until 10 years that, that he had Ishmael, right? So I'd been a pastor for like one and a half years. And God kind of pressed me while I was learning and reading about the story of Abraham. And he asked me the question, Ridge, would you be willing to wait for 25 years to see the, to see the ball rolling in the Seventh-day Adventist church? Would you be willing? What if it took that long? You know, I hope it doesn't take that long. Shoot, I hope it happens like in the next year or so, right? I mean, if it doesn't happen now, when, you know? But what if, right? What if it takes 25 years for a change to happen in the Seventh-day Adventist church? The change mm. that you see, the change that you envision and the, tra- the, the, the change that you're dreaming of, would you be willing to ride with me for that long? Because mm-hmm. the promise is there, right? The promise is there. Like we know like that that God's church will come out victorious in the end and that the Adventist movement specifically has a beautiful role in all of this, like preaching the message of, of righteousness by faith and, and oneness with Jesus and stuff like that, right? But what if it takes 25 years? You know, and granted like that number is just a number, but like, am I willing to wait that long with God for change to happen? And I feel like faithfulness to God changes when I put that into the picture. Yeah. Right? Wow. But God's always been faithful to me, you know? Yeah, like it's, a, it's a crazy deep thought. Bro, yeah, I'm, I'm wrestling in my mind right now, bro. Because like that's right? that's, such a, saying, that's such a bro. tough, that's such a, that's such a real thing that you're saying there. And I think this is where it really comes down to like, the importance of our individual relationship with God so we know where he's leading right individually right it's like it's not a blanket right. statement at all but like I am thinking about it because like man like did did Abraham by trying to do things on his own or trying to do you know what he's like I can't wait you know Hagar uh right you know we're gonna right. do yeah but even you know? then dude like he like at first you're like oh because everyone's like quick to condemn Abraham like don't get me wrong he did a bad thing right like he he put into his own hands and you know he he created like just just in in like a not an ideal situation, but like ten years, bro, ten years. Mm-hmm. If you've been trying to have a kid for ten years, and God told you that your generations and your kids will be as countless as the stars in the night sky, yeah, you're yeah. gonna be thinking, "Yo, Sarah, you're gonna boom, 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 boom." Like you're gonna get kids like left and right every year, but yeah. nothing happened every year, bro. Like, but nothing happened, bro. Yeah. And so it's one of two things like huh. one, God is a liar or two, it's not time yet. So now I'm presented with a choice. Yeah, that's tough. Am I willing to wait for that time or potentially put into my own hands, knowing the risk that is ahead of me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's the dichotomy that I'm kind of left with. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's such an amazing picture painting there. Um, and I think what's good about God, again, his grace in it, is that he still looked after Ishmael and his mom. Right. Yeah, yes, you know what I mean? Exactly. So he still will bless, exactly. like, he'll still like take care of you. Like, so it's never a fear thing of like, God, I'm gonna, you, I know you're going to leave me. So, no. But there is two different products of it. Right. Wow. Whew, man, you got me thinking. <laughs> I'm just trying that's to... Heavy, like, yeah, that's, like, that's heavy stuff, right? Like, Yeah, it's heavy. And so, like, I... And so I, okay, so there's, there's one church member at my church. Um, hold on. Can I switch out my headphones real quick? Cause my, my AirPods are dying. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, 
but yeah, bro. Like I have, so I have a church member that retired as the GC vice president and he was the first Brazilian, uh, to work in the GC. And so when it comes to representation within the Seventh day Adventist church, he played a very vital role when it comes to the Brazilian population. Right. And so the Brazilian church, the Brazilian Seventh-day Adventist church really looks up to him. They, they find him to be such an amazing dude. And he's honestly one of the coolest mentors and, and voices in my life as a young pastor, right? And he tells me the stories of him being able to be used by God to literally, and mind you, he's like this, he's this really nice, but he's pretty old, right? He's an older, older guy. Um, but he's like, yeah, you know what? I was just preaching on zoom the other day and like a thousand people came to, to hear the word of God preach, or I was going over here to, you know, uh, kickstart one, uh, media program in Brazil and this country, because the word of God is growing and moving and breathing over there. And, uh, you know, pastor Ridge, and he, and he calls me young pastor. He says, you know what, young pastor, I see God moving and working in you. So, I'm excited to see what you're going to do in, in your life, my friend. Hmm. And so I, I hear like stories of, of, of his experience with the Seventh-day Adventist church, right? Like literally seeing thousands of people move to Jesus because of his faithfulness and his willingness to stay true to what God had called him to do. And him being willing to speak something into my life as a young pastor, well hmm. knowing that, that, someone in my age is, is going to, you know, that, that our generation of people are going to be carrying the baton to Jesus' second coming in the Seventh day Adventist church. Mm -hmm. And I feel like God kind of placed them there in my church and in my life and in my story so that I wouldn't be discouraged or to give me the encouragement in the midst of my discouragement. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think about it, like when you think about probability, right? Like what are the odds of this dude being at this church in this time in earth's history? Or like, what are the odds of my conference just happening to put me at this church where this dude was put with all the other church members that I'm with. And the only answer that I could really have is God's providence. And whether I like it or not, I have to have faith and trust that, that God has a plan for me. Granted, I don't have all the answers and I don't have all the pictures. Like, I don't have the entire picture, but I don't feel like I'm supposed to. Yeah. And reconciling myself with that idea is, it has been my walk of faith. What do you do um, so that you can have that clarity? Like, I think back to even mm. in your story, mm. even, even in your life story where, um, you know, your family had painted a picture for you, um, as, as families do. Right, um, right. You know, and... Uh, they had told you you were supposed to be something or do something and you felt like, you know, you were supposed to do this thing. And then God had revealed to you uh, through people as well uh, that, you know, he wants you to, to serve him through, through ministry mm -hmm. um, and, and to uh, kind of shift your whole mindset from what people are saying to what God is saying. Mm -hmm. That's not a, that's not a simple thing. What do you, what are your steps to do that so that you can hear God over people? Man, I don't know if I have the answer to that, <laughs> but, but like from, from what I can muster up and kind of collect, right. Um, I feel like I had to know what, so, so I think about the story of John the Baptist, right. Uh, the people asked John, are you the Messiah? Are you a prophet? 
John knew who he wasn't because he knew who he was. Um, John the Baptist had to realize like, no, I am not the Messiah. I am the messenger. I am the voice in the wilderness. And so the wisdom that I had to find in my own life, or even now, like during this year of pastoral ministry, right? Like as an associate pastor, I was involved with a lot of different stuff, but I felt like what I was doing was kind of unfocused and I really wasn't doing things that I was passionate about or things that I felt God was calling me to do. You know, I was just getting involved with various stuff. Granted, I was enjoying what I was doing, but I, but I wanted to know like, okay, God, like what is my specific place? Where is my specific lane in the work that you're wanting to do in this world? Um, so I literally had to, had to ask myself the question, like, who am I? And, and it's, and it's weird because like, you know, like I, I, I know I've had this amazing experience with God, but like truly bro, like if I could be very honest with you, like it wasn't until like last summer that I knew and I believed and trusted in my heart that I am a child of God. Like I didn't realize that my sonship and my relation to the heavenly father was the very foundation or is the very foundation of, of which everything else falls into place. Um, because I'm a child, because I'm, I'm, I'm his son, I'm able to learn about who I am. Like this, this cycle of self-care and being able to make sure, okay, I could say no to this or I don't have to get involved with that. Um, me being able to laugh and to have hobbies and to, to learn more about who I am is the very foundation of, by which I'm able to know like, okay, like, is this where God is leading me or is this where the voices of others are leading me? Because others expect me to be like, oh, this goody two shoes or this always prepared person, someone that always gets stuff right. Whereas my mm -hmm. father in heaven has already declared me righteous, has already declared me to be free and has already declared me to be a disciple and a light to the world. Right. So from those truths, from knowing who I am as a person comes everything else. So I to to, to speak practically. Right. I've taken like a lot of like strengths and personality tests. Like I took Gallup Strengths Finder. I took like the Enneagram test and like Myers-Briggs and, and uh, it honestly had to take a lot of trial and error. Um, a lot of it had to do with energy and how I felt like, for example, if I do something with church, when I get to the end of it, I ask myself the question, do I feel more energized after than I did before? Or do I feel more drained out than I did before? Mm. Wow. And if that's the case, then there's something weaved in my being that allows me to say, okay, this is where God wants me. So um, some things that I know that I feel more energized that I do after than I do before. Um, one of the things is teaching. Like I really enjoy like preaching and well, not even just preaching, but more so just having discussions with people at a, at a round table. Right. Uh, I, I think of, Godspeed, right? That Frank Ocean song at the beginning of your podcast, like the tape <laughs> prepared for you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's one of the most theologically dense and beautiful pictures that we could have as human beings. And if I get to sit around a table with like young people and people of different statures and different ideas, like I think of the disciples and, and Jesus putting together a zealot and a tax collector. That's kind of like putting like, a KKK member and a Black Panther member on the same team, you know, on the same squad, dude, on the same squad, right? Yeah. But Jesus 
felt it necessary within himself to bring these people together because that's that's what it looks like when heaven is coming down to earth. And so when I'm when I'm around the table like with people and talking about Jesus, those are the stuff that energizes me. Um, seeing people uh, realize the goodness of God, I'm like, whoa, like that's that's kind of cool. Um, and and something also that I that I more recently realized uh, energizes me is creative endeavors, like like seeing creatives come together and create content, whether that's like producing music or producing podcasts like this, you know, like that's why I was like, yeah, of course, like yeah, Pastor Ben, like of course I'll be part of your podcast because <laughs> your platform, this is your calling, your in your content, and like I'm here for that, bro. Um, Appreciate that. And so because because of the various things that. I've allowed myself to be aware of is how I'm able to say yes to some things and to say no to some things and to know, Mm -hmm. okay, this is the voice of God. And this is just the voice of others. Wow. Um, bro. (laughs) Oh man. Thank you so much for everything you've shared and just the insight you've given sharing your story. Um, biggest thing I'm just like really reflecting on is just like that, 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 uh, pushing our heart to either stay or move yeah. kind of identifying what God is saying. And so um, just as we close, Ridge, if, if somebody who's listening is wondering uh, how to sharpen that affirmation from God's voice or how to kind of pick that up themselves, you know, uh, what would you just share with them directly in uh, your, your imperfect knowledge that's always growing, but yeah. things that you've learned? For sure. Um, I think of Paul in Romans chapter 8. That says it is the spirit of God that testifies that we are children of God. Um, what what happened for me was um, I was confronted with the truth of who I am. You know, because you know one of the things that I struggled with growing up in an Asian household was not being this, not being the doctor, not being good enough, not having the best grades, not doing this or not doing this right like that. Th- these are negative scripts and baggage that that I continually carry today. But I realized that baggage is just baggage. And these are not the truths that my father speaks over me. And so to someone that is listening, first and foremost, you are a child of the Most High King. So much so that whatever is true of Christ is true of you. Um, But we are a part of a movement. We are part of the same family that awakens other children of God. Um, In Romans chapter eight, in the same chapter, it says that all creation groans for the revealing of the children of God. And so first and foremost, realize who you are. And once you realize who you are, then that power that helps you realize who you are will then awaken other people and help them realize who they are as well. Um, So that's something that's helped me. Um, and something that helps me on a day-to-day basis. So I hope that encourages someone.